He played carol gun. His rating was higher. But from move seventeen, the king's side was mine. Took my chances fast. My rook was a knife, and my almighty queen, the beast on H six. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ladies' Night, the official podcast of U.S. Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Chahadi, and you're listening to the artist Huga of HugaMusica.com, and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh, Capablanca, and oh, what a season it's been for chess. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies' Night. Tonight, my guest is Jennifer Yu, our new U.S. Women's Chess Champion. So excited to have you on the show, Jen. It's uh, been about a week since you won the U.S. Women's Championship. How are you feeling? It's so crazy because everyone's so congratulating me. I've been a bit uh, drowned in schoolwork and all this stuff. Yeah, but I'm really excited to go play chess again. What was it like the first day? Because I, I remember you guys left the closing ceremony and a lot of you were just going to school the very next morning. What was, what was that experience like? Sometimes I just feel like I wish I had like a week after a tournament just to recover because, uh, and just to relax. So it was really crazy because after I went back to school, everyone knew about it and was congratulating me. And then I started to focus on making up all my schoolwork. So it was just like a rush of things. Was there a party for you when you came back to school? Uh, no, but, some random teacher that I didn't even have put up like a little poster congratulating me. So, it was, and then my friend wrote a story in a school newspaper. So it was just, <laughs> there wasn't a party, but everyone knew. Did a lot of your friends do, and your, your teachers at school, do they also play chess? Like, did they follow your games? Yeah, actually I had a few teachers that um, talked about my games or something. And I was just like, wow, I had no idea that you were following it, which is really cool. And I have, um, a few of my friends who apparently were watching one of my games on YouTube. And I was like, oh. and they were asking me about it, which is so cool. Which game was that? Um, it was like, it was my game against Emily, actually. I, I forgot who posted it, but um, they were watching it. And they, apparently they sent in some group chat, so a bunch of them watched it. That's so awesome. Were there, were there any other kind of congratulations or... Because um, you got so many, I'm sure you got hundreds of congratulatory notes. But there were, were there any that were particularly meaningful? It's hard to just pick out a few because they were all really nice. But uh, Robert Hess, who was the coach at uh, Olympiad, he like um, sent me a really nice note, just congratulating me and then telling me how like my potential and how like this isn't like this isn't it. How how much further I can go and just working and how he was very proud of me and that. And that really meant a lot to me. Actually, at the closing ceremony, Sam Shanklin also congratulated me. He was just telling me how he didn't, he didn't think um, like this was it, how I have a lot more to um, play for. So just like a lot, I mean, from all of these great chess players, and it just, it feels really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw a tweet also. I know you're not on Twitter. You're on Instagram, by the way, everybody. She has a new Instagram account, Jennifer U Chess, right? Yes. Jennifer Uchess, that's how you can follow her on Instagram. You're not on Twitter, 
But Robert Hess, Grandmaster Robert Hess, um, who's also your coach at the Olympiad, he wrote something so awesome about you that uh, a lot of people, when they saw your bronze medal performance in the Batumi Olympiad, knew that you played a mean game of chess. But not everybody knew about your work ethic, your determination, and your passion for the game. So he was always also very public about his praise for you. And what was it like working with Robert at the Olympiad? What kind of, what's his coaching style like? So uh, at the Olympiad, it was Robert and Melek there. And I think they did like a combined, um, because mostly it was, I feel, opening prep at the Olympiad uh, for me. Uh, So they did like a combined, I don't know, but I really liked uh, the openings and things that they picked out. And because it was just, it worked really well for me and I was really prepared into every game and um, they were really supportive and trying not to put any pressure on me. Just that even though as, um, as the tournament progressed, it got more and more intense because we started to play on like the top boards and we faced like the strongest teams like India and China and all that. But they're, they're always really good at not putting that much pressure on me, even though I play like every game. And just told me just to go out and play my best game. Well, it certainly showed in your results. And it must have been a really incredible experience playing in your first Olympiad. What was the highlight of it for you? Well, I mean, when I went to Olympiad, it was just so cool to see all these like gods at chess just like playing just a few feet away. Just all these super grandmasters that I've only seen like pictures and like videos, but they were like in person. So that that was one of the coolest parts for me. And also, I mean, on the team itself, we have, like, Caruana and, like, Nakamura, like, all of them. So it was just so cool being in the vicinity of these great players. I know when we asked you on the U.S. Championship broadcast, you said that Magnus Carlsen was one of your favorite players. Was there anybody else at the Olympiad that it was, like, really cool to meet? Well, I didn't really get to talk to that many uh, of these players. But, I mean, oh, I rode elevator with... Um, Sergey Karyakin, though that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's 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 a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think he knew who I was, but I, I just I just thought that was very funny. Now he does, I guarantee <laughs> it. <laughs> so I want to go back to the the World Youth in 2014, where you won a gold medal. Um, that was the one that you went 10 out of 11, right? Yeah. Which is, of course, a foreshadowing of your U.S. Women's Championship result five years later, where you also went 10 out of 11, and you also won your last game despite having already clinched the title. How do you get that? Where does that come from? Even though, like, the pressure is off, like, technically because uh, you already have it clinched, I always, I feel like going into the last round, especially at U.S. Women's, I feel like I had more pressure in that last round game than my game against Anna. Because I, I felt like, oh, I already won this tournament. Like, I can't just, like, I have to still give it my all during my last game. Otherwise, I just feel like it's not fair for, like, all the other players and or fair for, like, the fans. So I just feel like, or fair for me, I guess, in a way. So I just wanted to, um, even though it's technically supposed to be uh, more, less pressure, it just, there's some different kind of pressure to it. Yeah, that's really interesting because I guess now, of course, when you're in your final game against Carissa, you have all these new fans who realize that you're the new U.S. women's champion, the first teenager to win since 2000. So they're looking at your game. Is that the type of pressure you mean? Yeah, something like that. And um, 
I guess it's just like another expectation now. I found that if I go into tournaments without setting super high expectations for myself, I usually do better. Like it's a weird psychology thing, but if I ever ha- like if I have too high expectations on myself, I put too much pressure and um, I don't. I always end up. I don't know, managing my time horribly or something. Like a great example of this was actually my first uh, U.S. championship in 2015, because that year I was a wild card because I won the World Youth the year before in uh, 2014. So I put a lot of pressure on myself, and then never been in that kind of tournament before where there was so much, uh, su- such high coverage and such high prestige, and there was cameras everywhere, and I was just so nervous in every single game. I remember because um, I spent so much time just checking over my moves. Like I'd calculate a variation and I check it maybe like three or four or five times just to make sure that I make a mistake. So in the beginning I wasn't playing uh, my first game. I remember against Anna Sharovich and uh, she made a few interesting sacrifices and they weren't completely sound. So I got a small advantage, but then I just used all my time, ran out and then just like threw away my advantage slowly just because of time. So that was just, and then the rest of the tournament was just, it just got worse and worse because I don't know, I guess the pressure or I wasn't playing my best. Definitely. I guess that's the thing about time pressure and double checking your analysis. They kind of um, definitely go hand in hand, if you, especially triple quadruple and five uh, X checking your analysis. What was your most memorable or favorite game from the U S women's? I think it has to be my game against Anna in 10th round that, Clinched me the title. Yeah, that was a great game. I mean, you also just played so confidently and so well, and it was able to get you the win uh, around in advance. So what move in particular, is there like a particular move that you were proud of, just the, the finale or? Um, no, I think I was still, I'm most proud of my decisions to play Knight C5, which was uh, to complicate the game. Um, because I felt like if I didn't go there, it would be a game where I, it would be a two result game where I'd just be playing for a draw because she's, she's a really good player, especially in those kind of positions where she has like a small space advantage and just slowly, um, just slowly squeezes the opponent. So I was really, I did not want to go into that kind of uh, scenario. So I just went for the complications and hope, and it worked out. It really worked out beautifully for you. I love that game as well. Now, you talked in your closing ceremony speech at the U.S. Women's Championship about your coach, some of your coaches. Larry Christensen, you mentioned. You also mentioned um, Boris Avruk. And there was somebody, there's one other player. Uh, yeah, and Janik Mentes-Kassian. Okay, that's what I thought it was, yeah. And what can you say about what each of those coaches have taught you? Every single time I go get, get a coach, uh, the first thing, because back then my dad used to like talk to coaches. The first thing he was just like, teach her an opening. <laughs> so um, you can, if you look at my opening evolution throughout the years, you can see like it's very obvious when I was working with who. But each of them taught me different things and helped develop my style and just the way I play. A huge impact was my through my openings because I never had a really good opening repertoire. Slowly it's been building on and got a lot more diverse. And who do you work with now in chess? Do you work with one of those players during the women's or are you more working on your own these days? For about the last year and a half, I've been working on my own. Wow. And how do you, like, can you give me a breakdown of 
what you do. I mean, I know sometimes school gets really hectic probably, but when you do have time to study chess, what does it look like? Uh, I, I like to actually right before the tournament, like for the first time in years, I set a little bit of a schedule for myself to follow. So I would try to finish all my school and work and all that stuff before like around seven thirty ish. And then I just like take some time to do chess. So I, uh, read a few Agard books from his grandmaster preparation series. Cause I mean, they're the best. I I really like them because they have like they have positional play, strategic play. I do some puzzles from those. There was also an end game book, so I would do that one too. But I actually wanted to put the most time into preparing openings for the tournament, but I didn't get to it for I don't know why. I just didn't get to it because so that's why that was one reason why my nationals wasn't very good. My national high school is right before the U.S. championship, but. Um, in the time between the national high school and the U.S. championship. And since there was like only one round a day in the U.S. championship, I managed to like get my openings together. And I felt like they were, they were pretty good in during the U.S. championships. Got it. And I also noticed that you play a lot of tactics and um, puzzle rush on chess.com. So was that part of your preparation as well? <laughs> uh, it's not supposed to be. It's just my favorite part. Uh, Cause like, I've had a problem previous years. Well, actually, for most of my chess career, tactics is the, like the main thing I do. So if you go on my chess.com, you'll see like how many tactics I've done. That's because like back, uh, I use, I, I'm supposed to have a schedule, but then I always put way too much time in tactics. So I just go, I just forget to do other stuff. I only do tactics because I don't know. I just really enjoy doing it. And then puzzle rush, it took, I'm not that great at puzzle rush. Um, and I just have like an obsession of trying to keep getting a higher score. So anytime that it looks like I'm not going to beat my old score, I just stop it and then start over again. So there's like an insane number of times of puzzle rush on chess.com. But yeah, it's like, it's not supposed to be the biggest part of my, um, cause it's not a part of my chess that I really need to work on. Cause I think my tactics are, they don't really have a problem, but it's just, it's just something I really like doing. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, Puzzle Rush is fantastic. And I mean, just because you're good at them doesn't mean that you can't get even better. Yeah. Um, what tips? <laughs> yeah, but and that is interesting, though, that some people, they continue going on with their Puzzle Rush, even if they got in a one wrong kind of early and they're very likely to like not win, not beat their high score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like you. If, I, if it doesn't look likely, I just quit usually. So <laughs> I totally get that. And, <laughs> That said, it doesn't seem like you play a lot of Blitz online, do you? It Or Bug House? It's more of the tactics online, right? Yeah, I don't play too much chess online because, I mean, it's something that I'm going to work on because I want to, I need that practice more, but I've just never been that much of an online Blitz player, I guess. You are a player for the um, the Pittsburgh Pawn Grabbers, right? Yeah. Um, I played a few uh, pro chess leagues matches for them this year so when you do you stop your school work at 7 30 and you start studying chess you start with some agard problems and after you get a few of those right then you turn on your puzzle rush play a few puzzle rushes and then go back to the classic studying am i am i getting somewhere here is this, is this kind of what it looks like well ideally yes ideally but uh, the thing about puzzle rushes it's extremely addicting so um i've had a problems where i just Oh, I'm going to just do like two puzzle rushes and then I do it for the rest of the night. So <laughs> yeah, but ideally it would be something like that. Just, um, 
read some books and then do some tactics for a break, take a small break and then maybe work on openings or play a few games. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But so some of the times it worked out and then sometimes you just ended up playing um, tactics and puzzle rush only. But Hey, I think that's like every, every good chess player. (laughs) We have this like addictive side to our personality, which is probably one thing that makes you also really good. Right. Yeah, I guess you can see it like that. I noticed that you wrote a few articles for Chess Summit a couple of years ago. And one thing that struck me in one of them was that you said for players trying to get better, a lot of times they should be playing more rather than studying more. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that? Uh, yeah. So I think that my greatest, the greatest way I improve at chess is if I just play more tournaments and play more games. Because um, I guess that's actually the first. Uh, the way that I first got relatively, I got better at chess because when I first moved to Virginia from California, I think I was around 1400. And then when I moved here, um, my old coach in California, he told, he recommended my parents to just start playing more tournaments in this area. So I started playing more and more and I actually got to 1900 from 1400 in around a year. So that got me to go to my first world youth. So, so that I think that the main reason I got, um, my rating went up. I think the only way to really learn chess is you just constantly make the decisions and just test yourself over the board. Uh, and also, as you get to higher levels, um, you just I feel like I've learned a ton of openings at these kind of tournaments. I've learned so many openings at like uh, Olympiad and at, actually at this U.S. Women's Tournament because I was prepping. And I was looking through so many different lines, some that played, some I didn't play, but um, it really expanded my repertoire. So I think that the only, I mean, you can do also do that not at a tournament, but I feel like at a tournament, it's just kind of a different mindset. I just think that playing more chess, like real games, just is just better than like doing, playing against a computer or online or like reading books. Because, I mean, there's no real nothing can really compare to just thinking over the board it's hard to simulate the real conditions of all that pressure that you're under right and the motivation that you have as opposed to being alone in your room and trying to solve a position you know as self-motivated as you are it's not going to be quite the same as knowing that your your own game is on the line of course it's still important to like constantly uh prepare at home and practice but i think that that can only get to a certain point and then you just really have to go into the real situation. And yeah. As I learned from your interviews with uh, Mike Klein over on chess.com, you had a nearly perfect score in your SATs. And of course your U S women's championship score was almost perfect. So how do you advise other youngsters who want to combine academics and chess at a high level besides your advice that they play a lot? Is there any, like, time management tricks that you have? I mean, at school, there's always extra time at school because sometimes teachers finish teaching earlier or, like, there's time after tests or something. But if if you can use that time, make use of that time, it's so – it helps a lot because then there's just less homework at home and you can work on that on chess. Or you can actually just do chess in school, like, not during, like, a class because I've done that before and it's not good. (laughs) <laughs> it's not good for chess and it's not good for classes. It's just good to focus in whatever situation you're in. But, um, yeah, it's just time management takes practice. And 
to be honest, I'm not the greatest at it. I'm still working at it. I, I can still improve a lot, but uh, I would say, yeah, just whenever you have a little bit of extra time that you don't know what to do with, I mean, extra time, you could always go to use. So what do you mean that you could get even better at it? Because, I mean, it also seems like you have a really great group of friends, both in chess and outside of chess. So it doesn't seem like your social life really suffers from these uh, incredible achievements that you have in chess and academics. So that's like just yet another thing that you're balancing. Do you use any of these kind of apps that limit your screen time or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's, yeah, basically that means I'm just on my phone a lot. I, there's like that iPhone app. I think that's just, it's not an app. It just gives you a report of your screen uses like throughout the week. And it just, every single time I get it, I just feel ashamed because I'm just like, I can't believe how much I've been on my phone. But yeah, sometimes I just delete like social media apps or just to force myself to focus on chats or school or both. So you just delete them and then re-upload them when you've like finished whatever your goal is? Yeah. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be this hard, but at some point, you just, I mean, I just feel kind of attached to it. It's just like, how can I delete this? Like, everyone's on it. <laughs> but you can't focus when you're constantly thinking about other stuff. And Did you delete any apps before the Women's Championship and the High School Nationals? I actually didn't this time because I thought I could control myself. I think I did all right, actually. So you did pretty well, like your screen, your iPhone screen reports were lower than usual? Yeah, especially at nationals. I don't think there there's any time to just not be focused on chess because there's like three rounds a day on Saturday. And that was just, I mean, I haven't played a tournament like that in a while because it's just like, oh, I play a game. You have like a few minutes, just like eat. Or, and then you just, you can, I mean, prepping is really hard at nationals because a lot of the players don't have um, games and database. And so then it's just like me worried about, oh, I'm going to forget all my openings. So then I try to look at all my openings and then go into the next game. And then, so it was just kind of like a pattern. So I didn't really have to worry about using my phone too much during the nationals. Now at the nationals, I, I was there as well at the girls club room and also doing some streaming for our Twitch channel. And you stopped by the girls club room briefly, but what you might not know is that we ended up getting a projector there and started projecting your games because you were, even though you say you didn't do well, I understand you wanted to win first place. Um, obviously being a 2,400 plus player, that's what you wanted. I respect that. But at the same time, you were still on the top boards and the girls were, were all rooting for you. And there was one game we had up in this big projector. And like when you won, they started clapping. So, yeah, I remember when I was a little girl and then I'd see um, these other girls and it'd just be, it just like blow my mind. So, I mean, I'm really happy that if I can like make an impact on any other girls because I'm, I, I hope that I do. What were the women or older girls that when you were growing up that were doing really well and made you excited? I mean, there were some I knew and some I didn't know. Like actually, um, I think maybe in like 2011 ish around that time when I was like eight or nine, I read this chess life uh, magazine and I just remember on the cover, I think it was um, Anna Zatonsky, actually. And it was like something about her. I don't remember which one this was, but it was um, like she won the human women's championship that year. And then she won like how many. It was like a there was like a headline. It was like how, there was like a hundred something move game or something like that in there. And then it was just like 
she won the world championship in a hundred or something like, I'm mean, not world championship, US championship. And I, I just remember reading that and it just blew my mind that like the U S championship, I mean, the entire concept of the U S championship was just so huge to me back then. I just didn't like, I couldn't comprehend actually playing in it or like <laughs> definitely not winning it one day, but I've known like, uh, I've known a couple girls who were older than me at the time. And I just always looked up to them. Like they weren't like the highest rated players, but they, I just always admired them so much because of how they balance pool and how much they put into chess. And just these kind of players just impacted me a lot over the years. Um, like anybody in particular you want to mention? Uh, yeah. Um, Alice Dawn, she's, I think she's, a. I don't know if she's a junior or a senior in college, but, uh, she was, um, back when I was like 12 or 13, I think we went to a world youth in, oh, back when I was 11 in a world youth in UAE. And she kind of like, cause I remember on the rest day that we went to this Dubai together and then she just, she was so nice to me cause she, I think she's four years older than me and it was just, um, and then, I don't know. I just always admire her. <laughs> oh, yeah. She seems like a really cool person. And she runs a chess camp for girls. And I believe you coached at one of those, right? Oh, yeah. I, I almost forgot about that. I and mean, she does so much. But she uh, she runs ch- chess camps for girls just like for, for a day. But they teach the girls and they give the girls a chess set and a shirt. And it's just it's such a great experience. But um, she, I think she held one over around this time last year in uh the virginia area and then so i helped volunteered and taught a little bit but it was just such a great experience for the girls and i really enjoyed it too well i'm sure you're going to be getting asked a lot more to do things like that but it sounds like in in this case it was certainly also coming full circle for uh, how she inspired you um i got an a message from a chess mom whose daughter is a big fan of yours and predicted that you would win the u.s women's championship before it it started. Her name is Helene. Um, and she was wondering about advice for breaking a downswing when you're not playing well towards the end of the tournament, kind of coming back and getting that motivation and good form back. Um, do you have any advice? <laughs> well, that's actually funny because I think that's like the one thing I'm pretty proud of, like throughout chess, I've always been pr- relatively good at uh, coming back after horrible starts because that's just I just used to be my thing like every time I'd start the tournament horribly and then try to come back in the end just finish strong but I mean I guess the um the main thing is just not to get psyched out because it's so easy to just after a while just kind of give up and then just be like what's the point block everything out and just go to each game sometimes you don't even need to do prep or any of that because you just need to focus during the game and then just don't think about anything other than, than the move that you want to make last year's tournament um u.s women's was actually was just like that because i started out really horribly i know i know i lost the first two games and i just played absolutely horribly so i should have lost those games. i played absolutely horribly and i everything i think for the first five rounds i got like one and a half out of five but then i just kind of just tried to forget about all of that and then come back and then just, I, I think I finished the tournament pretty strong. I think like five out of six or something. So I was really close to getting an IM nor, but I didn't. But I know that the game that turned it around for me was my game against uh, Maggie Phone, who she also played this year. But um, in that game, 
I mean, it might look really weird to people looking at that game because I played a really unorthodox opening with B4. But, I mean, the reason I played that was because, well, other than the fact that I just didn't want to go into a preparation of D4 and C4, it's just something so that would take me completely out of this, uh, just make, make me completely forget about like all the stress and all the disappointment of doing bad in the first few rounds and just be like, it's completely new territory. So just pretend it's like a new tournament and a new, I mean, it's a new game, a new tournament, a new position. That sounds like a great strategy, just like a breath of fresh air. Let's get this, uh, let's get this started. And you also won, besides the women's championship, of course, the the huge title. You've also won several national girl, girls tournament of champion titles, including Clear First in 2015 and 2016, rather. Um, you won the Virginia State Closed Championship, which was uh, not only not at the time you didn't just become the youngest player to win, but you were also the first female to ever win it. So you really do have a lot of titles right now. We have lots of wonderful prestigious girls tournaments from the national girls tournament of champions to the U S junior girls to the Susan Polgar invitational and the all girls nationals in Chicago. How do you feel about these, this great flowering of girls and women's chess? Do you think we're going in the right direction or that girls should also be encouraged to play in mixed gender tournaments even more? Like, what's, what's your basic thought on what direction we should be going with all that? I just want to say, actually, it's funny because I played in every single one of those tournaments that you um, you talked about, like all the national girls, all girls. <laughs> I've actually played in all of those. But uh, yeah, I think it's really important to have these just like girls exclusive tournaments because it's especially at a young age because um for some when you're like eight or nine sometimes it might be really intimidating to just play in a normal tournament where you're the only girl there so when you go to the tournament where there's only girls you just feel like a different kind of community it's really wonderful that they have all of these tournaments uh all over the country probably the world too so but i think at some point uh you, you have to challenge yourself further and just go into the open tournaments and play anyone of any age or sex. There's just more players there. And it's just, I mean, if you look at like people like Judith Pogger, who just, just ended up not playing female tournaments and then playing just open tournaments, it just challenges you further to, and also to um, reach a higher potential than to limit yourself. Cause I mean, because there's more players, but it's really important to get these, uh, to have these girls tournaments, to just give these younger girls interest and then make them feel supported. And then once they're interested, uh, definitely go into open tournaments. I highly encourage it. Yeah, definitely. Or do a mix of both, right? Like some people want to continue mm, yeah. playing in those. And how about in your own career? Do you feel like now that you've won the ultimate women's title in America and all these other great titles that you've won, are you looking to play in even more um, overall titles or are you interested in like winning the women's world championship? Like where are your goals stand now? Right now. Um, well, one, I didn't really expect to win the women's, women's championship, but now that I have, I'm definitely trying to challenge myself further. So I guess the next step would be trying to um, qualify for the U S junior championship, which that. It's so strong. I mean, it's like mostly GMs and I am. So I, I really want to qualify for that. So I'm going to try to work hard 
I don't know, this year probably, uh, but like next year, definitely like I try to get my rating and all that up. And also trying to get my titles because I already have woman grandmaster, but um, I'm really close to international master. And I'm, I and I really want to go for a grandmaster before I graduate high school. That's definitely a huge goal and a really huge challenge because, I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> Definitely, but um, I definitely want to get my those titles. Sounds like right now a lot of your goals are more on the mixed gender end because the Grandmaster title, uh, obviously you have to play against male and female players to get it unless you play in something like the Karen's Cup where there's so many women in it that have the Grandmaster title, you can kind of do both, right? Yeah. That did you follow the Karen's Cup, by the way? I don't think I followed every round, but I have I followed some rounds. Yes. You know, it, you know, when we were talk, when we got asked in the commentary booth about whether or not a woman would qualify for the U.S. Championship, what I said was, if a woman qualifies for the U.S. Championship in the near future, it's probably going to be via the U.S. Junior Championship or maybe the U.S. Open, like one of those two qualifiers, just because. It seems like that's the easier path right now just because the rating, it's so high with the number of elite players that we have, especially with Dominguez now also joining the party and Sevian getting stronger and Zhang going up as well. So it seems to me like that's the easier path. Is is that something you think about when you're thinking about playing the U.S. Junior Championship? Yeah, uh, definitely. Because, I mean, because once you get something, you just want to challenge yourself further. So... I definitely consider that in the future. Like if I play the U.S. Open or U.S. Junior, I, if I mean if, I, yeah, if I play in any of those tournaments, I'm just trying to give it my all, work really hard, um, to try to get that qualification because it's just so strong now. Like just the opportunity of playing that would be amazing. Yeah, it, play that tournament. Like it's an end in and of itself, but then also, of course, any tournament you play and you want to win, right? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you keep so busy between your social life, your chess, and your academics. Is there anything else about you that people would be surprised to know, like other hobbies or things that you do outside these three things? Uh, yeah, I like to do... Um, I mean, my parents used to say that like I, I do too much because I just like to... I have so many different interests, but it's like impossible to do everything. I mean, it's just physically impossible to do everything and still try to like improve or be good at one, especially one that's like, um, like chess, that's so complicated and it takes so much time. But I usually, I like to, I like to run like after school, I always run. And then sometimes I like to play the piano. Cause I used to play the piano a lot when I was younger, but, um, as I got into high school, I didn't really have as much time, but I also have like really like interesting random hobbies I just pick up and then I get obsessed with for a few weeks and I just like give up because <laughs> I mean not give up entirely but like like I used to for a little while I got really obsessed with magic tricks of like cards <laughs> oh that's awesome it I mean I yeah it was like the most random thing about like YouTube card tutorials all day and then figure out um sight of hand tricks but I mean it took a bit of time and then I mean, I actually brought my pack of cards to U.S. championships. I mean, I didn't really do any magic tricks, but it's just I have to carry them around everywhere I go now. But, yeah. What, any other examples of weird hobbies? Like, I used to not know how to whistle, so it took me a long time. I actually figured this out at, I think I'm in St. Louis a couple of years ago, but I learned how to whistle there. I don't know why, but it was something I was really proud of, actually. 
Oh man, I have a confession to make. I can't whistle. So I'm really embarrassed now. <laughs> I mean, I felt like it was something else I had to do because I, I used to play the flute. And then I felt like it was embarrassing if a flute player didn't know how to whistle. Gosh, that's so many things. And by the way, about the running, I we, we interviewed Hikaru Nakamura, or maybe it was like in his post-victory dinner, but um, he mentioned that when he went to the gym, you were the only person that he usually saw. So, I, I mean, I assume you were running on the treadmill. Uh, yeah, I actually, I went to the gym, I think, every single day at the U.S. Championship. Yeah, every single day, actually. I was pretty good on not skipping any this year because, I mean, it just, it, it just helps you, like, release stress. And I don't know, I just, it keeps you in shape. And it's just great. I mean, it doesn't take too long either. It's like 30 minutes an hour around that time. Wow. Well, apparently it worked out well for you and Hikaru, so... <laughs> yeah could just be a coincidence but it it, it's definitely a sign that it's good to get out get in there and work out well thank you so much jen and uh let let us know where i mean i mentioned earlier that you've got this new instagram handle jennifer uchess any other um way that people can follow you your your next tournament perhaps or if somebody wants to get in touch with you about a grandmaster invitational that you might want to play in probably my instagram handle jennifer uchess um, in the future, I want to make a Twitch channel because that's like the big thing now, I think. Everyone wants to stream. And I'm, I've been really interested in doing that for a while. So once I'm like figure school out and all that, I really, I like probably let people know on my Instagram account. But yeah, that's something I'm interested in. Well, yeah. And you actually did some U.S. chess. Uh, you did Twitch uh, for U.S. chess at the grade national. So you did some broadcasting there. So when you start your Twitch channel, are you going to be doing blitz and tactics, things like that? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I haven't played too much like bullet, that kind of stuff in my life. So that that also be interesting to try because I've just, I haven't done much of that. But yeah, probably a lot of blitz, a lot of tactics and that kind of genre. Well, that's awesome. And I am sure there are going to be a lot of people listening to this um, who will be very excited to hear that because... You know, you have so many new fans now, um, lots of girls, boys, everyone, people of all ages are really getting excited about your win. So they'll be really excited about the opportunity to kind of interact with you and see you play more. I always forget that, like, when you're streaming, there's just someone else, that's just, there's, there's people playing, like, I'm not just playing myself. So I always think I'm streaming, like, you're just talking, like, yeah, but... It'd be really fun to have people challenge you and all that. Yeah, and my first guest on this um, Ladies' Night podcast was actually Alexandra Botez, and she's, of course, an incredible streamer, really well-known, and just really good at it. So, you know, you, you understand um, from talking to her that there's two goals. It's one, to play well and to flag people and beat them, but it's also to entertain. And if she has to give up a little bit of you know, equity or once in a while lose a game because she's entertaining her fans and being interesting and funny. She does it. And I think that's really cool because it, it's just, uh, what people really want to see. Right. Actually, I almost forgot, but like uh, a couple of years ago, as one of the girls who I looked up to, um, a few years ago when I played the Susan Palger invitational, I think I was like 11 at the time. Um, Alexandra Botez was actually there and I thought she was so cool. I, just, I was just like, when I grow up, I want to be like her. So that was just one of the girls that I looked up to that I didn't mention. But yeah, it just, I mean, they probably have no idea, but they, that they made like an impact. But yeah. Well, that's nice that you're singling them out now, though, because now they will. So Alexandra, <laughs> Alice, Anna, 
Wow, lots of, lots of names that start with a hey. <laughs> Probably a lot more people that I just can't think of right now because there's, def- there's a ton. Well, there's also your friends, right? And it seems like you and Annie, Emily, Maggie, yeah. and um, I'm forgetting somebody, Carissa. Seems like you guys are really good friends, right? Yeah. Is there anything from, from one of those girls that you really learned a lot from? I think that us being friends and also being competitors at the same time has just helped us improve. Not because like we were helping each other, but just because of the competitiveness. Because it's kind of like sibling rivalry. So if one of us do good, we're just like, oh, we, like we support them. But we also want to do good too. So then we all like slowly just get better and better. Like if you look at the rating progresses through the years, I think a lot of it has to do with that. Because we're like, we're all great friends, but we um we kind of keep each other in line. Totally think that's true. I mean, that's one of the reasons, like I think girls... In women's chess, it's so important for it to rise together because even though women can play just as well as men, especially at the young ages, girls and women end up becoming, well, girls usually like to be friends with each other because they can like share hotel rooms together. And it, there's just certain circumstances where it makes more sense um, for girls to travel together. <laughs> so it really makes a lot of sense for you to rise together. That kind of happened with me and Irina Crush, actually. And I never got to her rating, but I was able to, I think, get a, a lot better because I knew that she was going to be in the tournaments that I was trying to win. I also think that's like a, how, why in the last couple of years, the um, strength of women have just gone like, especially girls have just gone higher and higher, especially like the junior girls, I think, in the last few years. Because, I mean, in the first, yeah, I think in like the first year, from the first year of playing uh, U.S. junior girls and from last year, there's just been a significant uh, rating increase. So I, so that's like probably huge reason why. I think that is going to continue be and partly because of you and the work that you're doing. And we're trying to continue to push that forward with all the programs and initiatives at U.S. Chess Women. Um, we got a 100K grant recently in partnership with the St. Louis Chess Club. And then there's all these new tournaments like the Karen's Cup that we're continuing to be so excited about. And yeah, I, I really am just thankful that people like you are part of this this great movement to get more girls and women in the game. I know a lot of people are rooting for you to stick with chess for a long time because you are so talented. But I mean, for me personally, I also hope that. But I also see that, you know, whatever field you're in, you're going to really um, put your best effort into it. So it's going to be fun to follow you whatever role you take. Yeah, thank you. No matter what I do, like throughout college and stuff, I'm definitely going to continue with chess because it's been part of my life for so long. I just can't comprehend just completely leaving it. That, I think, is the best news for everybody listening to the podcast of all. So uh, let's leave it at that. And if and of course, once, once your Twitch channel is ready, we'll either we'll put it in the description or we'll, we'll uh, make sure everybody knows about it. So... Thank you so much. This Jennifer Yu, Ladies Night guest, our U.S. Women's Champion. It's, it's been really wonderful to have you. Thank you. If you like this episode of Ladies Night, be sure to check out all of our podcasts at U.S. Chess, including Cover Stories with Chess Life and One Move at a Time. You can find all archive podcast episodes on the tag podcast in our U.S. Chess news section. And if listening to this motivates you to make a donation to U.S. Chess Women and our initiative to bring more girls and women into the game, no amount is too small or too large. So 
please consider making a donation on our website. Thank you very much. Now according to Sockfish, I got it all wrong. After slightly advantage, I had nothing but my dear cup of blanco. You tell me we'll learn more from our defeats. Who needs victory?